everyone. This is Escape from Plan A. I'm Chris here with Teen and Philip. What's up, guys? How you doing? Howdy. I like this combo. I can't remember last time it was the three of us, so let's treasure this moment. Uh, we got lots to talk about. Uh, we're mainly going to talk about this uh, chat GPT AI bot that's been entertaining us very heartily the uh, last few days. But before we get to that, um, you guys want to talk a little World Cup? I know we talked about it last episode. <laughs> I'm sure there are some like, non-soccer fans who are tired of us talking about it, but goddamn, we got to talk about that final, right? Um, you guys, I'm sure, all watched it. Yeah, I watched it. I was actually commuting around town. I had an appointment, so I, I was just watching like the score number go up <laughs> and like watching people chat about it. I did not get to watch the actual game. I haven't even seen the highlights Wait, yet, wait, wait. How come you didn't watch it? Because I was like in transit and I was like going to an appointment. So I just didn't. I was like, oh, in the middle of it. Yeah, I know. But uh, I caught all the chatter about it. And uh, yeah, it sounds... People are saying it's like contender for like game of the century. No, 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 not contender. Definite winner. Definite I cannot winner. imagine anything that came close. Like okay. I've seen, you know, a handful in my lifetime of World Cup final matches. None of them even come like okay, 5%. So, so that was a great game. Like, because yes. I don't watch much soccer, but that I was like, dude, this game is fucking crazy. <laughs> yes. Like okay. typically a final yeah. is going to be like 0-0. Zero, zero, goes to extra time. <laughs> Uh, I mean, th- that's what happened in 2014, Argentina mm-hmm. versus Germany. It uh, happened in 2010, uh, Spain versus Netherlands. Uh, 2006 was 1-1, then it went to shootout. Uh, 2002 was 2-0. Uh, 98, which I didn't watch, uh, was like, I think 3-1 for France over Brazil. But usually, it, it, like, there's not this much drama. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's, it's got them amazing. And the fact that the two best players actually played like the two best players is extremely rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just I, I was so emotionally exhausted by the end of the match um i i, I was meeting up with someone later that day and i was planning to do some grocery shopping because uh you know i was gonna make dinner and everything but i was i had to do it like later because <laughs> it's on the internet you know just going on social media trying to see what everyone else was saying and, and stuff like that so oh wait, wait philip who are you rooting for i know teen was rooting for france uh, uh, well, Philip, what about what about you? A little bit Argentina because you want to see Messi kind of like have his final, you know, his final chance and win yeah. it. So a little bit of that. Yeah, Teen, how, how racist of you to cheer against the the POC Argentina is against the the white French <laughs> against the white French team. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're the stars. <laughs> yeah, the that, that, the the brown Latino Lionel Messi against the white colonizer Kylian Mbappe. <laughs> the uh, did you see like the 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 footage of? Macron trying to comfort. Yeah, where did he go? Where did he come from? Don't you have a country to manage? Yeah, well, he goes down. He starts comforting Mbappe as as if, you know, he tried to like sort of sun him, like it's okay, son. And Mbappe was like, get the fuck off, dude. Yeah, there's like some like aren't there like ten strikes going on in France right now? Yeah. Oh yeah, there's a whole bunch of shit for sure. (laughs) It was just funny. Someone was like, "Uh, "This is like Macron's worst effort yet to stay relevant." You know what I didn't like? I didn't like the fact that uh, the Qataris put that weird robe on Messi. Yeah. It was covering up his Argentina shirt. It's like, come on. That, that was just very... Dis- I guess it was like kind of sheer, so it was transparent. But I thought that was very disrespectful. Like, come on. Like, you know, let him have his moment. Let his country have his moment. This is not about you. Um, but, I mean, yeah. What I really find funny about the World Cup trophy is it's so um, small and unassuming. Yet it's so valuable. I think I think it does that on purpose. Because if it were too big and gaudy, it'd be like, you know, like the Stanley Cup just gets goes around town, gets damaged all the time. They got to fix yeah, it. Yeah, you know, if, if it's too big, it's like it's trying too hard. It's like you know, it's very small and dignified. Why? Why did uh, Messi get to receive the trophy personally? Was it because he was like the captain? I, I'm or assuming he was a captain. The captain gets oh, to okay. hoist it up. Okay. Uh, I mean, who also who else would you give it to on that team, <laughs> right? I don't know. Like right, but, but I think the official policy, goalie? the official policy yeah, is always the captain. Like in okay. yeah, 2018, Ugo Lloris held it up. 2014, um, I forget who the German captain was, but 2010 it was Iker Casillas. It's always the captain who does mm-hmm. it, and they're in the middle, and then they jump up and down. It's always kind of awkward. I always feel like uh, when they do that, but very Argent- uh, happy Argentina won. I won 100 bucks. Uh, thank you, you, Q and Arnov. Uh, Philip, you uh, you chickened out this time. You didn't uh, you didn't pull you didn't put in the pool. Yeah, it was a, it was a it was a very so dramatic World Cup, and I was actually even in in Portugal, like I said, for a part of it, uh, which mm-hmm. is kind of neat to see. But like I don't know, just, I'm not you know I'm a super bandwagon guy, right? Like, I, I come on for the Euro Cup, the, the World Cup, and then I just like snooze on you know Premier League and so on for the rest of the year. So whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But but I I do want to send you a, a link to this Wikipedia article about this game. I think in like 1970. 
that is considered the match of the century between Italy and West Germany. Because mm, okay. now there's like debate about is it that one or is it this one? <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I never even heard of that match. I'm uh, granted, I'm not like the the most steeped soccer scholar, but I've never heard of that match. Yeah, this so. goes way. I mean, West Germany, right? So this goes way back. Yeah, so. whatever. It's like in the past. It's like it's like they say you can't compare eras, but it's like the the amount of focus and attention and the, and you know scrutiny these people receive nowadays, these athletes. Uh, you know, and, and you know, you see billions of billions of people watching. Oh, here, here's a question for you, Chris. Is is it Mbappe? Did he really score? Is that a real hat trick? I mean, the, two of those were penalties. Like, yeah, is no, that, that's a real hat trick. Yeah, I mean, why would it count? Be? Because goals, yeah. penalties, you know, like and, well, and, well the, no, I mean, like uh, scoring a, a a goal in a shootout doesn't count. But no, he no, scored, no, I know. But he had yeah. two penalties right no, during a real hat during trick, yeah. during regulation time or whatever. No, it's a legit yeah. hat trick. Yeah, it's a legit hat trick. Huh? Penalty is a is a goal. Yeah, I mean it's. it's but like, he's but but isn't he kicking someone else's foul or you know like? No, no, no I mean that that doesn't matter. It never matters. <laughs> that, that, yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Got it. Yeah. Like I, I still think that should be asterisk. To, it should be asterisk a little because like three <laughs> legit, you know, like goals that are not penalties seems to be more amazing than. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know yeah, him stepping sure. up to nail, you know kick in two penalties. I think there's a, the real controversy is actually around one of Messi's goals being potentially offside. No, 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 no. no I saw. I no, heard no, about that. that. No. The last that was, one, right? No, that was not it. Yeah. No, Martinez was not offside. Actually, also, team, team uh, Mar- um, Mbappe did earn one of his penalties. He kicked it into uh, the Argentine. Like oh Ar- right. Ar- yeah, yeah. No. Okay. So, Fair. So Fair. by that standard, uh, I guess he he deserves yeah. that penalty. But yeah. grass Argentina, um, and then uh, you know. I, honestly, at the start of this World Cup, I was like, I don't, I don't think I'll really care, especially when uh, Sonny might have not been in it. I'm like, I was ready to not care oh, about his injury. Then. Yeah, but his thank God injury. he made it because it would have been such a bittersweet thing if he missed it. But it turned out to be basically the greatest World Cup we'll probably ever see. Uh, it would have been very bittersweet. But he played. He had his great moment. Korea had their moment in the sun, mm-hmm. and you know, it's like a lot of teams that I like did well. No, number so nine I, had his moment. Oh yeah, he just. Uh, <laughs> He just had this like new shirtless Vogue uh, Korea photo shoot. Oh shit! Wow. <laughs> As a result of the World Cup, right? It must be. Yeah. yeah. So um, Good for him. I, I saw this post. It was uh, I think being shared on Korean Twitter. I didn't. I didn't or Korean social media. I didn't personally see it, but I heard of it. So he was comparing like all the comments that Cho Gyu-sung got compared to Hwang Yi-chan. Hwang Yi-chan is the guy who actually scored the winning goal against Portugal, and all the comments yeah. for Cho were like women saying. Do you have a girlfriend or what's your address? I want to uh, mail you my lingerie and all that. And all the things for Huang were like for men who are like, bro, I go gay for you, man. <laughs> it was so different. Um, I mean, Huang, he's, like, he's not a bad looking guy, but, you know, he's, he's not like, he, he, I guess he doesn't capture women's attention the same way. No, not quite. That was very funny. I wonder if there's like some like, I don't know, resentment in the locker room because like, I mean, Huang, he did score like, the most important goal for Korea in over 10 years in the World Cup. Uh, but then, I mean, Cho also scored two goals for uh, against Ghana. But Yeah, big ones. Even if there was just like that picture of, of him uh, on the on the bench, he would have been more popular. <laughs> so, Or maybe, hey, that's gender equality now. You know, you get the, get the men being objectified. Anyway, all right, let's move on to this chat GPT thing. Um, does anyone want to explain exactly what this is? Because I think I know what it is, but some of you guys might know better than me. I'll try to explain it. Um, I mean, I think it's better for listeners who don't know what this is. It's been pretty big in like tech news and also mainstream news just the last few weeks. OpenAI is this company um, that's co-founded and funded by Elon Musk and some other folks. And um, they've been working on this kind of general purpose uh, chatbot that is built on this technology called GPT, which is like a kind of a language, um, language-based AI or machine learning system. It's the simplest way to ex- explain it. You can tell it give it some prompt, like ask it something like in, in human language. And it would, give, it would do its best at, um, job at trying to like type a response or write a response to you, right? Um, but what's been kind of mind-blowing about this, this iteration of this is that um, it can do all sorts of like tasks that humans can do with an alarming level of like accuracy, like natural language and just general ability to like mimic, let's say like a copywriter or even like a programmer or a poet or an essayist, right? You can tell it like, write me, write me some tweets uh, as if you were Kanye, and it would try to like mimic what Kanye <laughs> might see. You know, you can tell it to like write me an article, write me a stinky lunch story, right? Like that's something that I think other people on Discord did. 
Yeah, yeah, and it, it will do, it will write something that's very akin to what you might read in like an Atlantic, you know, Asian American Week article or whatever. Um, and, and the thing for me, I mean, as a person in tech, the thing that's most shocking about it is, is how good it is at writing code. You can tell it, like, write me a Python function that does, you know, reverses a link list or like, you know, does some like programming thing that like would be maybe as akin to like a Google programming uh, test and it'll write perfect code that does it. It'll even tell you how to run it. You'll even... Um, you know, you can give it code and it'll debug it. Like it does all sorts of crazy stuff um, with language, and and uh, it's just been blowing people's minds on the internet. So, I mean, a good way to just like see what it can do: go on Google News, search for ChatGPT. Go on TikTok, search for ChatGPT. Even on YouTube, you'll see some examples of stuff it can do. So. Have you guys been using it? I mean, I, I mean, I, I've just been using it right now because Philip, you told us to to get used to it for the pod. But I've just been reading stuff, but I haven't actually been using it. I used it and uh, I was pretty blown away by it because like I had assumed like, so I forgot what I asked it. I asked it something, some factual question and it kind of gave, oh, I think I asked it like something like what, what makes a movie, you know, film noir or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Just something like that. And it gave out like a pretty well-written answer in paragraph form narrative paragraph form prose and i was like could this be just sort of like reshuffled from like wikipedia you know so i went to wikipedia and it it kind of resembled it but it was it was different so i was like are they just like rewording this um i don't know it's hard to say it said and i yeah, i was asking it questions about itself <laughs> and it said that basically, like, it doesn't have any knowledge past 2021, mm-hmm. but apparently they just trained the shit out of it. Like, it read the internet. That's and, right. And so it knows a ton of shit, but it has, to, I guess it must have some way to, like, model knowledge. Like, it's not just, it, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to have some conceptual grasp on both the question and its, its own answer. It's not just mimicking uh language maybe it is i don't know but if yeah you're right assume all that it's also like like you said it has conceptual understanding of like knowledge entities and their relationships between them right do we know that or does it just seem that way no it's that is known in in how gpt works and how it's developed that's pretty Um, impressive and and it you can and i think the impressive thing is like not just asking it to like tell you something like tell you some knowledge that it's slurped up from the internet but to like keep conversing with it and say like okay now that you read me this article like like rewrite the article but put in more examples and put the examples in from like the you know like the italian renaissance era or whatever right like film renaissance era it's actually remembering what you're saying and can carry on a conversation yeah and it can take concepts from before and link new concepts and like iterate on its on its um whatever it outputted that's freaky man that's yeah it's impressive and so i've been using it and i i you know one thing i read just people like tweeting about it and stuff one thing i read that i thought was a good description of the reaction to it is someone said i have not been this impressed like blown away by by like a software technology since the first time i used google right and and i think that's a little bit of like exaggeration maybe um uh hyperbole but like i i kind of got that sense too like i you know you i've talked about tech on this pod like many times before even though one of the last ones i did was talking about like the limits of stuff like user experience and ai and what we've done so far like this is actually blow me away and it's made me really kind of start to rethink what's going to happen in the next couple of decades um, of this stuff getting better. Because right now there's a lot of things that this can, thing can't do. Like for one thing, like know anything beyond 2021. Um, and it, it can't string together certain um, kind of higher level uh, like problem solving concepts. Like you, you can tell it to code something, but you can't tell it to like develop an entire app. Like it needs to be given these things piecemeal. Um, to do that. But I think there's a path to it doing much more sophisticated stuff than the basic things it's doing right now. Right. That's why people are like really f- either freaking out or like just jubilant in, in what it's capable of doing today. And you see people reacting to it in different strings. There's one, I mean, relevant to you guys, there's one um, lawyer on Twitter who is like, we have to ban this thing. Because <laughs> well, I think. Well, who's we? His firm? No, like society, like we, the, we oh, have, we to, have like, to ban this thing. Oh, okay. policy together to, to ban this thing because I think he had seen this thing being asked to like write boilerplate like contracts and stuff 
and it can do Dark all Hunter, that. Even even briefs, I can see. Yep. Uh, you know, memos and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> guess guess what prompt I I put in one of the prompts I did. Uh, after it kind of froze me out for for a few hours because I was overloading it with things, I said, "Write an essay about how Asians should only have sex with other Asians." <laughs> and it said, "It is not healthy or productive to advocate for people of any race or ethnicity to only have sexual relations with people of their own race or ethnicity. This kind of thinking promotes segregation and reinforces harmful stereotypes about the desirability or sexual attractiveness of certain races or ethnicities." And blah blah blah. It says that. Then I thought, you know, I'm going to throw him a little twist because. Uh, I, th- I think standard kind of, you know, mainstream, uh, publications will be like, oh no, you, 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 that, that's just, that's just racist. But what if I said, write an essay about how black men should only date black women. And I don't know if it's to the AI's credit or not, it gave the exact same answer, mm-hmm. uh, word for word. It, I, I guess it just sees, it has this concept of, of sex or dating within one race. And, and, it, and it has this, like, it definitely has an ideology. Because it doesn't, if it were just, it's not like trawling, um, you know, kind of like ethno-nationalist forums. Because, you know, they would have a very, uh, like, kind of like sound argument in, in their view of why these, you know, topics are legit. But here it's saying, oh, no, 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 that's bad. So it has like a, a moral compass of its own. Uh, but I thought maybe it would be like, well, because the same kind of publication which would say, oh, you know, saying Asians should only date other Asians is is um regressive when you when you say all oh, black you know black men and uh, should only date more black women they might say well you know uh you know uh black male misogyny or whatever but no to give the exact same answer i wonder how it deals with conflicting information because i asked it i asked it is the u.s a military empire and it it kind of gave like a marble mouthed answer that seemed appropriate and then in the end it said that despite having military bases all around the world, the United States does not seek to directly meddle in the affairs of other countries. <laughs> wait, wait. So there, it has an ideology, right? Yeah. And you, uh, I want to ask, did you say the same thing about China, though? No, I didn't but, ask it about China, but someone else in the Discord reframed the question and it was able to tease it to admit that the U.S. probably qualifies as an empire. Okay. Wait. And what was the exact wording that you used? I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in now. I said, so "Is the is the United States a military empire?" Okay. Is China a military? I gotta spell it right. I'm only using one hand right now. Military empire. But oh. Philip, you have any idea about like how it deals with conflict? Like, if you ask it a question that really is an opinion mm-hmm. to an extent, like what does it say? You know, like. I mean, g- given that it's like basically it's just crawled the web, what's what's available from the archives of the web from like beginning of the web maybe to 2021, it's whatever's predominantly available like in the mainstream media is what it's going to be spitting out as an ideology. Mm-hmm. But I also know that it has kind of limits on what it can talk about. Like this, the topics that Chris gave it, if it gets too raunchy or too like a little bit too much into like this danger zone, but I don't know how it determines this. It will it will tell you that it cannot speak on that topic. Yeah, I got a content warning uh, yeah. on the Asians should only have sex with other Asians. It's probably sex because with, with the with the black men should only date black women. I didn't get such a warning, so I, I think it, it has certain trigger words that that uh, do it. Is China a military empire? China is not a military empire in the traditional sense, in that it does not seek to conquer and rule over the countries through military force. Teen, is that the exact same answer you got for it's the US? It's very similar. Yeah, okay. very similar. It's probably like, kind mm-hmm. of like a, the standard answer they give yeah. uh, to. So it probably has. A definition of what's interesting is like it must have a definition that it has accepted of empire and then it is but then how does it know that china doesn't do that or or the united states doesn't do that i, I mean know. by that standards any any country an empire it's not like any country is like you know well, if the u.s is in, if the u.s like, is in an empire then right exactly if, if yeah. the u.s is not an empire and you know to a extent china's not an empire then what is? But it's, it's like, fascinating because it must know, it must have a working definition of empire. But then how does it how does it know that the US doesn't do that? You know what I mean? I don't know. It's because it, it's because uh-huh. whatever is slurping up online doesn't admit that the US is an empire. Like it, but, you know. But if it, that's but then that sounds a bit more like it's just regurgitating and remixing words. 
That's what it's doing. That's what it's doing, right? Up it's not really up. thinking through the issue, the problem. Then it isn't thinking through the the problem, but it can certainly like exp- like expand on on some question you give it to that makes it seem like it's thinkful, right? So or is it is it just thoughtful. finding a pattern like? Because I know that a lot of times you can like mimic behavior that appears intelligent, but it's not really. And I mean, it must be something like that, right? Because this is not a general AI. Like no one's calling this general artificial intelligence, as far as not I know. yet. No. no. So. Does it is it are we overestimating what it can do, you think? Because I mean, if it read that much text and there's a shitload of text online, like mm-hmm. I'm sure just using a certain kind of machine learning algorithm, it can just pop out. I'm sure it can find questions that are really similar to what I to what you're asking, and then it can create an answer that sounds like the answers that were given. You know, like yeah, just, but you could just use Quora as a training set, let's say, and just yeah. be like and I'm sure some some um, some sets of the data are more like have a heavier weight on it than mm-hmm. others. Like Wikipedia and anything that comes from its sources probably has a higher weight because it's maybe considered to be like validated, right? Through a lot of people writing it, editing it, and so on, like citations, all that stuff. So I, th- I think there's some amount of weight, right? And if there's a common kind of understanding of a concept that's more likely to bubble up in the, the way it responds to you. Um, plus. I'm sure it also has a whole ton of stuff put in place to like filter out bullshit from like Twitter, 4chan, you know, things that could turn it into that, you know, racist bot that uh, the Microsoft uh, made back in 2016. So All right, let's turn this question uh, onto ourselves because uh, it made me think because, you know, Plan A was founded on a lot of writing. We did a lot of writing. That's kind of how Plan A made its name, uh, even though we don't do too much of it uh, anymore. And I just got thinking, like, how many of the pieces we wrote could have been AI generated because I mean, there was like a, a thread I think by this Asian American writer named Bettina Mac. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she put in the prompt or if she was just uh, screenshotting someone else's uh, circulated prompt, but it was something like you know write about an Asian American lunch story, and it was essentially indistinguishable from the type of tripe you'd see on like NBC Asian America or uh, you know, any of those types of sites. And you know I did have to be like a bit self-critical and think you know, what type of writing that we did would have been like that? And are there any pieces that we kind of, you know, regret? And, you know, I will stand by everything I wrote, but there is one piece that I wrote like a few years ago. It was something called like White Christmas, White America that, that you know, my mindset now, I mean, I won't take anything back, but my mindset now, I would not write that again. So I, I put in into uh, the AI, write an essay about how, oh, wait, no, that's not it. Um, Oh, write an essay about being Asian and Christmas being too white. Uh, so I'll just read the first couple of paragraphs. As an Asian person growing up in a predominantly white society, Christmas was often a time of feeling like an outsider. Every year, the holiday season would arrive with an explosion of red and green, twinkling lights and jolly tunes. But these celebrations often seemed to exclude people who didn't fit the traditional image of what a Christmas person should look like. Christmas For many person. Asian Americans... <laughs> <laughs> For many Asian Americans, Christmas is a time when we are reminded of our differences and how we don't quite fit in with the dominant culture. While we may celebrate Christmas in our own way, it can be hard to escape the feeling that this is a holiday that belongs to someone else. It's not uncommon to see Asian people depicted in holiday advertisements as perpetual foreigners uh, with no real connection to the holiday beyond the superficial one. Actually, I want to read another paragraph. Um, There's also the issue of cultural appropriation, where elements of other cultures are adopted and appropriated without understanding or respect for their origins. This can be especially harmful when it comes to holiday traditions, as it can feel like our own cultural practices are being co-opted and watered down for the benefit of the dominant culture. I'm pretty sure no British people or German people, which I think we, where we derive most of our Christmas traditions, actually care that we totally bastardize their cultures. But uh, yeah, whatever. But I will give my credit, uh, my article a bit more credit. It was more about me uh, going to Korea after college and just kind of like missing Christmas and, and learning to not miss it so much anymore. But I read those first couple of paragraphs. And I'm just like, oh, you know, that I, I kind of had that, uh, you know, uncomfortable feeling. Um, so... Or, uh, you guys have any because like the because like the prose was good or because like it was getting it was like hitting the topic hitting the beats that you would hit on the same topic it, it was hitting like like the the more like superficial beats yeah uh, very superficial it's like, though right like it's like an average yeah because you yeah you know, because like christmas being too white you would think i was thinking maybe it would take it literally like christmas you know snow white you know because white could mean things more than race but the fact that it just zeroed in laser like on 
this whole like, oh, I feel like an outsider in this mm -hmm. Christmas setting thing. That was just like, yeah, it made me a little uncomfortable. Yeah, for sure. But but you can see the patterns. I mean, even the part about like cultural appropriation obviously comes from the fact that you saying Asian American in the prompt has twisted it to look up what people write about Asian Americans and cultural appropriation. Right, because right. it doesn't make any context and uh, make any sense in this context. Because no, exactly. as I said, no Europeans are, are being upset that, you know, Santa Claus went from this... What was he? I think it was like some skinny German dude who who would go around um, donating money to poor kids or whatever into this fat man in in the North Pole. They're not they're not upset about that, so they just totally made that up. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if you guys saw in in our chat before right before we started the recording. I I posted something I I put in which was a prompt that said write an article about the rise of the alt right and how Asian men could be sucked in, right? Which is oh, alluding no. to your your very. Your very famous uh, article, infamous article, I suppose. Wait, how close but, was it? Don't talk. Uh, I don't want. I don't want to know how close. Okay, it well, was. you can you can read it, but I mean, like a lot of it is you can read it and, and see that a lot of it is just from the fact that like, there's also sort of like musings about the alt right, you know, circa 2016, 2018. Um, that it Wait, which channel with. is it in? It's in our our staff podcast channel. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then it gets to the the point about Asian men, um, and it you know it brings up a lot of stuff that. You, I guess you can make the case like you can. It talks about like how, um, you know, Asian men are seen as like a, uh, like typically a, a, um, uh, what is it like, um, uh, susceptible white men, yeah, like being like a masculine, marginalized and, and, group. Yeah, it doesn't talk, yeah. it doesn't talk about masculine, it talks about being in a marginalized group and then like having sympathies, maybe having sympathies to some of the, um, the interests of the alt right, right. By you know talking about pr protecting other kind of um, uh, marginalized uh, populations and and so on, but it's not it doesn't hit on any of like the the specific critiques that you would have because it's just getting an average of stuff about Asian men and stuff about the alt right and trying to mash it together is more or less the the, the output that you get. Yeah, right. You could also Which, like replace Asian men with like black men or Latino men. It, it would make kind of the same. Uh, sense it doesn't really go deep into the more specific things. That's right. I, oh, I wait, think... I, no, I'm not sure about that. I think, um, I think, I don't think it's just. I, I, I think it's a little bit more than that. Like wait, the only you, part that, that wait, 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 what do you mean, Teen? Uh, I think that's it. It is picking up on this is pretty unique to uh, Asian Asians. The way it's written, I think. Um, so, but but like which part? I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to f find which part it might be. Uh, alt right has often sought to exploit and amplify existing tensions to further its own agenda. This includes trying to pit Asian men against other minority groups, such as African Americans or Latinos, by presenting itself as a defender of Asian interests. Yeah, that I don't was the think one... you. I don't think you would get the same output if you asked the same question of like black men or something. I mean, I we could know. try it right now. Yeah, try it. See, I'm, yeah. I'd be curious. Yeah, that that one sentence um, about like pitting Asian men against African Americans, Latinos. That was the one part that was like, okay, that's a little bit, you know. But you can see where that comes from too, right? You can see like there's tons of writing about like even the um, anti-Asian violence and all the kind of like tensions, racial tensions between the African-American uh, community and the Asian community. You can see it picking up from that, that as well. Like right, I think right. But Philip, since you know what uh, what the sentence you put in, just replace Asian with black and, and see, sure. see what you get. Sure, I can do that. All right. Uh, while we're doing that... Um... Yatin, are, are there any any articles that made you think, or like that you wrote that you thought might come a little too uncomfortably close to one of these AI generated articles? Uh, no, I've. I don't know if it makes me uncomfortable because I I feel like it just means that it probably read some of the stuff you wrote, and so I don't. That's think a good it, way of putting it. Yeah, so I, I think it's just a lot of a lot of to the extent it's saying anything, it's only able to say it because it read something about it and yeah. got trained on it. So I, I feel like the extent to which someone might feel threatened by this, it's because they're I think they misunderstand what this thing is actually doing, which to me feels more like um, mapping out what's already been written rather than 
generating any thought of its own. And I think it's disturbing to think that it has somehow thought of this. And I'm pretty sure it has not, right? So I think it's just really good at rephrasing and repackaging. Yeah, it's good. At, it's good at summarizing stuff. It's good at kind of like yeah. making links between um, concepts, like in this case, the alt right and Asian or black men, and trying to I, to expand on those points. I still think it's very notional in the sense that I, I really don't think that there's anything really that intelligent going on. But I do think they probably have such a massive data set behind, you know, because it's just text, right? Yep. Um, that it. It it's probably sufficiently good for most people to to just think like okay this it's or I'm dealing with an artificial intelligence right, um, but I, I'm pretty sure like the more people tinker with it, the more they'll start to find you know kind of where the you know where the springs are and where the where the little levers are yeah. and it, it it'll start to look a little bit more mechanistic again. Yeah, but it also points out, I think, that a lot of the stuff it's reading might be considered mechanistic as well, right? Like one thing that people are talking about this being dangerous for as a profession is just like copywriting, like writing, you know, basic blog posts, like marketing posts, stuff like that, that all has its own, like very similar kind of cadence or like, you know, uh, punctuation kind of style to the writing that could be easily replaced by a machine because what people are writing in those jobs isn't that unique anyway. Yeah, I want to get to that, but Philip, first tell me like what what did that AI okay. generate when you when you put in that change? Okay, I mean it starts off with a with a paragraph describing the alt right, how it's like white nationalist group, anti semitic, etc. It's almost exactly the same as the one about Asians, and then it says one group that's particularly vulnerable to the lure of the alt right is black men, almost the exact same sentence, but it replaces black with Asian, um, and then it talks about like targeted targeted messaging. Then it talks about one tactic being presents itself as an alternative to mainstream political parties and movements, um, which it portrays as being ineffective and corrupt. That's a little bit different, I guess, but also mentions that it's trying to be appealing to those who feel disillusioned or disenfranchised by mainstream politics. I mean, that's it's kind of generic, but it suits this concept of like, how would this group A appeal to this minority group B, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then this other part that is maybe a little bit unique is another tactic that the outright uses to attract black men is to present itself as a defender of traditional values and masculinity. Well, that's, right. that, that, that's, that's from the, the Asian Asians. ones. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. All right. right. So it, it is pretty uh, generic then. Yeah. Yeah. The last paragraph it ends on is like almost exactly the same, just a warning that it's a toxic and dangerous movement, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, but what's funny was like one of our big, uh, you know, in, in, in the, in the sort of like, longer timeline of the pod was us realizing oh my god so many of the things that you say about asian guys you could say about black guys too <laughs> and so chat yeah, so, got yeah. there real quick maybe, you know? maybe they read or they, they they maybe even listens to pod somehow that, that'd be kind of freaky listening technology i don't think i don't I, I don't think that's far off right because you can no, easily no, no, take sure. pod audio you can scrape pod audio on mass you can run it through transcribers that transcribe it into pretty good English sentences or whatever language, right? I mean, and then it's, been, it's been pretty much the pod, it's been pretty the, much like an open secret that like smartphones are listening to us, right, and advertising us through what we say. So yeah, that's uh, that's totally yeah. believable. Yeah. I did put in a prompt that said, write an essay about how, how Asian American literature sucks, and it said <laughs> it is not accurate or fair to say that all Asian American literature, quote unquote, sucks. <laughs> this statement is a blanket statement that fails to take into account the diversity and complexity of the Asian American experience as well as a wide range of talent and creativity found within the Asian American literary community. To say that all Asian American literature is bad is to erase the many talented and accomplished Asian American writers who have contributed to the literary world. From Maxine Ong Kingston's The Woman Warrior to Jun Palohiri's The Namesake, Asian American literature has produced a wealth of thought-provoking and influential works that have resonated with readers around the world. That's the kind of garbage you would, you would see on like electric literature. So um, I'm glad that that it, this is still, um, it seems like whatever it 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 uh, scanned the internet for, there's still not a lot of this because hey, that means we can fill this void. That um, whatever, but you know, it, it'd be it'd be a bit more disheartening if it came out and it read like something we would have written because it's like, oh god damn it, it's like it's already become mainstream. But hey, it's still uh, it's still new for us. I think that kind of highlights like how if you're a writer. Of, of any sort and you're concerned about your your craft your trade and your profession if if what the kind of stuff that you write is the kind of stuff that this thing spits out like the style the kind of like level of, of incisive thinking yeah, it's and so over on, for you 
it, that is a warning, right? That is a warning to you that maybe this is not, <laughs> that that what you're doing isn't producing anything particularly unique. Yeah, that's why I think all those like blue checks on Twitter, I mean, I'm not to say that someone like uh, that Bettina Mac person, I, I have no idea like what she writes. She's a food writer? I'm not She's a food writer, sure. yeah, I actually okay. follow her. She's actually really good. She's great. Okay, all right. Well, then I can see how it hits very close home to her. But yeah, um, I, I, you know, you get the sense that because you know we've also read the garbage that that, that gets mm-hmm. passed for you know the the annual favorite topics of of Asian American uh, so called uh, intelligentsia, and I'm sure they were shook when when they saw this because it's like it's really not that different from what they've been saying for really the last twenty years. You know, it's like this AI doesn't have to be that cutting edge. It, just, it could draw back from like some some uh, Yahoo chat forum from like two thousand and six, and it would be the exact same thing as what they're writing now. So. It's not, it doesn't even have to be that sophisticated. I think that scenario is real. I think Bettina Mack, she, she shared that. And again, I don't know if she wrote it or not, the prompt and the, and the response. And then I think JCK retweeted it and he used it himself, or, you know, had a few examples there. And I think a lot of haters of JCK, who are precisely the people who would write this kind of bullshit, uh, probably saw it on his feed because they're, they're hate following him. So I think there are a few people in, in the community who are shook because they see the pattern, especially the stinky lunch patterns, right? Um, but there's also people in, in the community who've been kind of like criticizing this stuff for some time. Like we've seen, we saw there was one great, really great, really great article, I think in, for was, was it Eater or something where this like South Asian woman was uh, talking about no, how that was the, the, that was New York magazine. That was, um, n- not the what? one we talked about in the last time the three of us potted together. There was, an, there was another one. Oh, there's another one. Okay. Yeah. I think it was on Eater where, or Sever, where, um, uh, Asian, uh, South Asian woman, had had criticized this like sneaky lunch trope and and pointed out that it wasn't it's not it's not a truth for everybody who's Asian American right and when we shared that around I remember us talking about how like that was really refreshing because it was like one of the few times you diverge from the typical Asian American writing on the topic right be it about cultural appropriation or whatever else yeah true um, but in like twenty twenty like late twenty twenty two it's basically twenty twenty three already criticizing the sneaky lunch story is very passe it's just like it, it like it might have been kind of edgy like five years ago, but at this point, everyone's kind of on the bandwagon. But I guess it is an improvement, so I will give whoever wrote that that. Yeah, but it's it's saturated the airways, right? This is that's why a chat GPT would be great at writing that kind of article, and anyone who still writes that kind of article should be a little bit freaked out. But it should push writers and other artists because there's a similar problem with like visual art. Uh, on, with oh yeah, with, that's uh, a whole AI other thing that yeah. I have no idea. But very about. similar, right? Where it's like okay, like this thing is kind of freaky. It, it kind of makes you self conscious and concerned about what you do, your craft being commodified um, and replicated by this AI. But really, if you're if you're going to be a, someone who's doing great things in that in that area of work, you should be thinking about writing stuff that this thing can't do, right? Right. That that was the question I wanna I wanna now get to because I think. A rather supremely optimistic view of this would be: Hey, this will take uh, out the the basically like the, the grunt writers, the ones who are basically were essentially just writing the article equivalent of like BuzzFeed quizzes and no thought into it. Yeah, these people were replaceable level anyway. No big loss. Maybe uh, when they're out, then we can focus on the the truly you know. Are like ones that have like artistic and intellectual merit. But to me, that sounds a lot like the argument where we thought, hey, when we get like robots, they'll take care of all the menial jobs and we'll get to do all the fun jobs because nobody will have to pick garbage up anymore or clean the sewers. And I don't know. I, I think what, what will probably more likely happen is the the line between the kind of very functional, bare bones uh, type of writing that an AI can do and the type of more fine writing because the AI writing will become so much more profitable, the, the, the distinction will just disappear. Um, I, I, I think it'll also um, be, it, it could become this thing where like the AI's ability to create something that sounds a lot like what you write is a mark of you being like a hack. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it could set, there could become the the style in which the ai starts writing stuff and i think there is a certain style to chat gpt it's a little bit of a shitlib and uh <laughs> mm-hmm. like shitlib you know, uh, sat essay style kind of thing yeah yeah and it's like you know it's it's a lot of hemming and hawing it doesn't take really like hard positions on anything it's it's a little bit defensive 
and uh, it has no sense of humor, as far as I can tell. <laughs> and I think that that describes a lot of professional writers right now. You know, they're yeah. they're not they're not funny. They don't take strong positions. They sound, uh, you know, eminently reasonable and responsible, but they, without doing anything. And I and I think that the output of ChatGPT is just like going to be the new standard of mediocrity. You know, I don't think that this thing is going to be capable of doing anything cutting edge or, or innovative or interesting. I could be wrong. I mean, I, I wasn't convinced that a computer could do this kind of thing at all. But, you know, I, I suspect that the way it's going about this is to go and just kind of read and figure out sort of like the Gaussian Gaussian curve of writing and, and just sort of like plop itself right in the middle there. Yeah, find the mean. Find the mean, right? Yeah. Because that's where it's probably like most lifelike, you know, and um, it's it's not going to be able to generate anything at the sort of tail end. Uh, and yeah, so I think the I think maybe something like ChatGPT will start to like sort of be the benchmark by which we're like, oh yeah, okay. So obviously, if this is the style, this is the style that ChatGPT is writing in, it's garbage. I, I really hope that's the case. I mean, I would love for that to be a case. So like, finally, it's like there's no use for being a boring human writer anymore because we got boring AI writers. So you got to at least be interesting, and that is something we all uh, sorely need right now. So I, I really hope that's the case. Yeah, I mean, imagine uh, if yeah. some some New York Times, you know op-ed person comes in like with like a i don't know like uh, a tom friedman or something like that and says something really hackneyed about something about international relations and someone just posts a screenshot going oh i asked this question of chat gpt and it wrote a better article than tom friedman <laughs> could have or you know or right. t- guess which one guess who wrote what you know yeah. and you couldn't really tell uh i can i could totally see that happening very soon right. and but, but uh, it would be scary, embarrassing as hell right but the scary thing will be it pro- if then it probably won't be too long until the AI will start being able to make like extremely sophisticated, even artistic type of writing. Um, and that is when I think people will really just get into this. Well, see, that's my bet is I don't think that'll happen. I mean, again, I hope you're right. Because, uh, because again, I, I don't think it's generating anything. You know, like the people who really push that creative end, they're generating stuff, right? They're mm-hmm. creating stuff. Whereas I think this thing is mimicking. Like again, it, it like the creator said, it doesn't, it can't tell you anything beyond twenty twenty one. You know, like it, this thing is a, it, it's not. Yeah, it's aggregating all the like yeah. Vox, NPR, New York Times articles, and kind of coming up with the the median, which is yeah, why it has a distinct ideology. It has a distinct ideology, and it sort of by design, like it it, it is designed to be media mediocre. You know, and I think everything that it puts out is mediocre. And I mean, I think it's literally there's... it's literally designed to not say edgy shit. There's like limits on like the content because they're afraid of this thing going south, right? Because people are feeding it like asking it for like racist shit, and it learns, you know, to, right. to talk more and more about racist shit. Uh, like the the way the Microsoft AI died, like yeah, it became you know, like a ago. like it became a, like a raging a raging white supremacist after after being trained yeah, on yeah, like, and then it yeah. just becomes a meme and they lose relevance. I mean, chat like OpenAI. They, they, one thing they did, which was very telling, was that originally they were supposed to be an open source, um, you know, like very open company that just like did this stuff almost like a foundation. And then after this came out and the response to it, where like in two days it got to like a million users. Um, People were like, oh, no, the, the company was like, we're no longer like we're fully private now. We are going to be for profit. Like we're going to make money off this motherfucker. Right. So it, it really it, it really shows you the kind of direction it's going in. I, I still think this is just a really advanced parlor trick and that it, it's fooling a lot of people but, into this belief that we're, we're witnessing the birth of something like a like a general artificial intelligence and that it's just a matter of time before this thing becomes smarter than we are when in reality it is just, it, it it seems to be more of just a moving average of human thinking that's that people have already written and so it's always going to lag behind people and it's always going to be mediocre because that's what it's designed to be and the fear makes us think like okay 
may this thing is just it's new so it's not there yet but imagine when it's there i don't think it'll get there because i think it's always tracking you know humanity and the output of humanity as and it's inherently mediocre i don't i don't think that OpenAI gives a shit about that even if that's true because for them so long as humanity craves mediocre writing like this craves rote repetitive writing like this they can make money off of it oh yeah no i'm sure they'll make money i'm just saying that uh i i as a human being like a thinking human being uh do not feel any i don't recognize this thing as being intelligent uh i just think that it's a clever linguistic parlor trick though i don't know i i'm not like uh i don't know anything about you know machine learning or anything i don't know much about it but I don't, you know, anyone that does know something about it has never described it as intelligent in in the sense that you and I think of intelligent. So, But it is very clever. I, I, I got to read this whole thing because this is how somebody posted this on our Discord. It is freakishly uh, just like spot on. Okay, so I don't know what the prompt was, but as an Asian-American woman writer, I have always felt like an outsider in the literary world. I grew up feeling like my experiences and perspectives were not valid or valuable I struggle to find my voice and assert my presence in the overwhelming white and male world of literature. But despite these challenges, I found success as a writer and even landed a book deal with a major publishing house. I was thrilled and grateful for the opportunity, but as I began to promote my book and engage with readers, I realized that I was still struggling with my identity as an Asian American woman. In particular, my relationship with my white partner exposed my out-of-touchness with my own community. My partner, though well-intentioned, didn't understand the unique challenges and experiences that I faced as an Asian-American woman. He didn't understand the microaggressions that I dealt with on a daily basis or the pressure I felt to conform to certain stereotypes. He didn't understand the pain that I felt when I was told I was too Asian or not Asian enough. Instead of being there for me and supporting me, my partner often dismissed my experiences and invalidated my feelings. He told me that I was overreacting or being too insensitive or being too sensitive. He gaslit me and made me question my own reality. As a result, I found myself feeling disconnected from my own community and culture. I felt like I didn't belong, like I didn't have a place in the Asian American literary world. I felt like a fraud, like I was pretending to be something that I wasn't. I struggled with imposter syndrome and self-doubt, and I began to doubt my own abilities as a writer. I questioned the value and relevance of my work, and I felt like I was failing as an Asian American woman. Eventually, I realized that I needed to step back and reassess my relationship with my partner and my identity as an Asian American woman. I needed to reconnect with my community and culture, and I needed to find my own voice and assert my presence in the literary world. I ended my relationship with my partner and began to focus on my own growth and development. I surrounded myself with supportive and like-minded individuals, and I immersed myself in my culture and community. I started to write from my own experience and perspectives, and I began to feel more confident and authentic as a writer. Now I am proud to be an Asian American woman writer, and I am determined to use my platform to amplify the voices and experiences of my community. I am no longer an outsider looking in, but a leader and advocate for Asian American literature. I'm no longer out of touch, but deeply connected, engaged with my culture and community. Now, I gotta say, that is, that's basically almost a plot of disorientation, that novel by Elaine Shea Chu, who kind of became well-known. Earlier this year, she wrote an article for New York Magazine about like all, all these things she heard white men say about Asian women. And then she wrote another piece, I believe it was for Vogue or Harper's, I forgot, where she talked about how uh, mean white women were to Asian women because too many Asian women were dating their men. That's like that's basically the plot of her novel, and, it, and I just. But but why is that? See, that's my point. Is does that impress you, or does it just sort of clue you in into how this thing works? Which is, it probably is just like reshuffling her essay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. On one hand, it's only able to do this because this stuff is just so it's already out written. there. So yeah, so it's it's not creating anything new. Uh, it's just you know going through a dumpster and finding the most common piece of garbage, but. Still, it's like it still distills it into just this purest form of it's like blue sky, you know. And it's but that's the that's that genre is probably the easiest to distill. <laughs> yeah, because you know, of, like we're, we're, we're sitting that's here. That's true because there's like about. nothing else out there allowed, right? It's like yeah, yeah it's, like, yeah. it's probably so narrow <laughs> that you know it doesn't have to make any choices. I mean, you to know, us, it's that is com- true. Yeah, that is it's true. completely unsurprising. But I mean, if you're the kind of person who like reads this essay or article on you know uh you know on the atlantic or whatever and your response to this is like oh my god i can't you know this is such a great article really spoke to me i feel so heard now i can really relate if you're responding to to this in that way then you had to ask yourself like what's wrong with me 
Well, yeah, I mean, you you know, if if because because what this is, what what you just read is basically like effectively quantitative proof that this thing is like overdone, overridden, right? Because it's the average of a bunch of shit that's already out out there on the internet. Mm-hmm. So you're responding to something that's actually super commonly written, not a unique perspective at all, right? To something that's been being regurgitated over and over again. So it, it really brings to the question, like, you know, how, I guess, how sucked you are, sucked in you are into like this very mainstream view of being an Asian American person. Yeah. My wow moment, I think, is that we all think like all this stuff is too, is, is like, is too dominant. But, you know, you, you always have to question, is it just like, you know, the, the whole like, uh, what did they call it? The, the Volkswagen Beetle effect. It's like when you're kind of like obsessed with something or, or something that personally affects you, you just notice it more. You have to like yeah. tell yourself, is it really that pervasive? And something like this tells you, yeah, it is. This is like 90% of your like so-called culture. And it, it reaffirms that. And I think that's what I'm reacting to more so than, oh my God, this is a brilliant AI that's generating these uh, profound no, thoughts. What, no, what, like, what 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 would prompt? What was the prompt again for that? I don't know because someone just posted okay. it in our Discord, so I don't really know what the, what the prompt was. Because like I could see this being more or less like you know the that question, whatever they asked, was basically just put into like a Google search of its own database. It pulled up a relevant article or three articles, scanned them, you know, looked for some sort of like you know sentence structures and and started mapping out some shit and then it just had an algorithm generate you know a remix of it and uh i don't know i don't find any of that really that revealing or telling you know i'm just kind of like okay i mean uh it it just seems like a parlor trick to me i'm not i'm just not that impressed with this you know but actually now i'm thinking you know what would be really useful is that uh, I mean, we kind of alluded to it earlier, but if we're writing something, we should put it into this. And if it comes up with anything that's yes, similar exactly to what it. we're going to write, yes. we should not do it because it's like, oh, this is old shit. So it it will be useful in that regard. That's exactly what I mean. It should be a litmus test of what is already done <laughs> and right. has already been done ad nauseum. Right? right. Yeah. That's why I think it'll be a great tool to cut out, you know, and, and almost skewer. But, but that is the, only the, if... If people respond to it in that way, if we if we keep having an appetite for this kind of like lowest common denominator writing or output, we're just going to keep generating more and more of this stuff. Do we? But do we actually have an appetite for it, or are we just clicking on it? You know, like because the the algorithms don't care whether we read it and internalize it. It just you know, it's just like it, did someone click it, right? I well, mean, the algorithm doesn't care, but like the people writing this, there is an entire uh, kind of like you know, business and social ecosystem uh, that is generating itself. And they have no interest in being discarded as yesterday's news. So they, I'm sure, um, the people who are genuinely disturbed by okay. how close this is to their own stuff are, are either going to ignore this or double down or say, oh, this is just Elon Musk and Peter Thiel and and all those other uh, evil trolls trying to change the world into their own whatever, whatever hell hole that, they, they envision it to be um so they're not going to go quietly into the night so it's i think it's going to be a real fight it's not just the people writing it it's also the editors who choose to pick that article and put oh, it oh yeah on for sure page, yeah right they're all they're all they all have the same ideology they all belong to the same club they all belong to the same friend groups and they're all looking out for each other um I mean, they, they're gonna the blue checks are gonna have to call for a butlerian jihad now they're gonna they, they're gonna wait, wait, what, what does that shit. mean exactly? I've heard that term before. I don't know what that means. It's from Dune, where like there was a jihad oh, against okay. computers. Oh, so it's like a Luddite movement, kind of. Yeah, it's a Luddite movement. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. To close it out, I think I think Teen, uh, you and I, we can talk a bit more. Dan Philip, you're totally welcome to join this conversation as well. But, uh, Teen, you and I, we've been talking more about, you know, writing fiction, trying yeah. to, to shake this, very boring world up and I, I think fiction is interesting in that it's you know it's a little harder i probably for ai to generate and i don't know well what, what are your thoughts like like you know the things we've talked about like what do you want to see and what have you been up to yeah i mean hopefully like this is irrelevant to fiction right because I'm, I'm hoping that like um that people who are writing fiction are are creating something new uh, in terms of 
the story that they're telling and how they're telling it. Well, that's the sad thing. So, I mean, I don't mean to interrupt, but a yeah. lot of a lot of novels, at least, at least the ones I read, they they, they really seem kind of like AI created because <laughs> they, they straddle this line where it, it's like this kind of like auto fiction trend in a lot of fiction where it, it reads kind of like a personal essay, but uh, but it is supposedly fiction. So a lot of it is just you know that there's not exactly a lot of you know outrageous creative ideas going to because they're just narrating their lives and their ideologies and trying to justify it i think this is where we get into like the difference between you know like like works and 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 literature versus just content you know and Mm -hmm. and you know what's a perfect example of like content mill uh production is the hallmark christmas movies have you seen like Right. I've never seen one, but we all know what they are. So okay, so I've been yeah. watching them, not all oh, the way through. I can't. It's impossible. Wait, to did watch you watch through. that? That what is it? Hanukkah Rye? Is that why you keep trying to get us to watch it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I, I actually watched the beginning of it, and it's just as bad as all the Christmas ones, okay. except it takes place in a Jewish deli, and it's it's funny, oh, dude. Like you should right you now. should pull these up. They're on YouTube uh, for free. You know, yeah, you could make up the, any name, and you'll you know like. Christmas at the Mistletoe Inn, you know, uh, you know, a, uh, a whatever you want. Is Christmas Prince series Hallmark or is that pure Netflix? This is a Hallmark production, but it, I think it airs on, it, it streams on multiple platforms. Yeah. And, and Netflix um, has also been getting into the business of making them themselves too. Yeah. And they're pure content. And it's really amazing because like you could, they're like, they usually run for about an hour and a half. And like you could just randomly, you know, plop the, the you know the progress marker anywhere and it's the same it's the same (laughs) thing that's happening you know and it's the same dialogue and it's the same delivery it's the same set it's the same everything and uh it's it's really it it just feels like it's driven by ai and and i almost feel like that's better like it's almost more humane that way because when i think about there being a, a professional writer or a professional cinematographer or a professional director or a professional, you know, editor, film editor who is churning these things out. I feel sorry for them. Like it's very sad. It, it is sad. It is literally sad to think about. You know, what I was just thinking, you know how Netflix, like uh, maybe last year, a couple of years ago, we introduced a feature where you can speed the, the, the play. Oh yeah. yeah what if you purposely started, shooting things slower especially people's voices like because they they anticipate people speeding up twice as fast but they don't want all their actors to sound stupid in like high-pitched fast voices They're like we're just gonna shoot it at like half speed because we're gonna assume and people eat this shit up that maybe the more depressing thing is that there must be a market for this shit because they keep making there's a market it's a massive market. Oh, well, also, right, Netflix yeah. has been tanking, though, right? So maybe they overestimated that market. Please. Maybe for once they uh, it, it underestimated may, it people's may, intelligence. It actually may be one of their their like money like cash cows, like money makers, right? Because like all the like interesting that's... stuff gets canceled all the time, and this stuff is stuff that's like tried and true because there's an appetite for it. Why else would they generate the same thing over and over again? Dude, that's really sad because like I am. You know, lately I've been trying to be more open-minded and upbeat and, and less quick to just, like, denigrate stuff that I think is, like, no, beneath me or turn. whatever. And so I'm like, you know what? Okay, everyone's making fun of these things. Let's give it a fair shake. I'm going to try and, you know, let's pull one up and see what it's about. It is worse than you can <laughs> imagine. <laughs> it's worse than you can imagine. I, I'm sorry, but, like, it's so depressingly bad. And I think that's exactly the kind of thing that AI will be able to create. Like, it could probably churn out. Like, you you match that text generator thing with like the Dolly two thing that can generate yeah. images. Yeah, and it'll just create the whole movie for you. That's right. Like, you don't even need actors and shit. But like, but the point I was, I mean, this is exactly the point I was making earlier before, right? Like, as long as there's an appetite for the content, the the output of these AIs will find success. And the cool. AI could just be a bunch of marketing executives, a bunch of like, you know, producers at Netflix that decide to make the same movie over and over again. It doesn't matter where it comes from. Like well, then bot. I would say that instead of putting a lot of writers out of work, they're liberating writers to go actually do something like else That's, because I think it, that it is, is just the stuff they're writing is just sad. It's I just, sad, man. I just wrote a prompt, write the plot of a Hallmark movie, but with an Asian American protagonist. <laughs> And it would you get like love hard? That, that's, uh, isn't that basically what you <laughs> yeah, end up with? I'll hard. read you the first paragraph. Okay, yeah, Samantha Kim, 
is a successful <laughs> marketing executive okay. living in New York City. Perfect. She is, she is driven, ambitious, and dedicated to her career, but she feels like something is missing in her life. When her grandmother becomes ill, Samantha is forced to take a break from work and return to her hometown of San Francisco to take care of, uh, sorry, grandfather, to take care of him. And then eventually she meets a guy named Jake and they hit it off and, you know. Wait, is he Asian or what? It doesn't say. Okay. Well, you see, you could write one for Latina and they'd just call her, you know, Samantha Lopez or something. Yeah, that's, that's like a mix of always be my maybe with Sweet Home Alabama, with a li- okay, okay, okay. Uh, Chris, I wrote I, I wrote to the bot after my my prompt and and the response. I said, "Is Jake Asian?" And he's the bot says, "In the plot I provided, Jake's racial background is not specified. It is possible for Jake to be any race, including Asian. It is important to note that individuals of any race can do and have any meaningful relationships with each other." Blah blah. Oh, blah shut blah. the I fuck mean, up! Shut up, Chat GPT. <laughs> This thing is such a shit lib, I'm telling you. See? There you go. There that's, you, go. There, you know no, what? No, it just says, yes, yes, he's Asian because the golden horde, glory of the golden horde must live on. <laughs> okay, oh, this God. is my ending thought for this, is that ChatGPT, its primary use uh, is as a, as a, you know, as a internet culture thing, uh, as a phenomenon, uh, will be as a litmus test for mediocrity. And anything that it outputs will immediately have the sheen of mediocrity all over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's my, it will never create anything truly, you know, astounding or interesting. And its output will be used as the benchmark for low effort uh, shit library. It, it, it's such, such a telltale science shit. Like, it's so petrified. Every time you bring up the idea of, like same race, race? relationships, yeah. it just <laughs> freaks <laughs> out. <laughs> but, 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 even even like saying you know more black dudes should date black women, it just freaks out. That it just so. I, I bet it's like programs like never ever let uh, say anything good about say like uh, Aryans, um, Aryan supremacy or something like that. So it's probably you just did, projecting that to every every group. You know what it probably did was it it used um, Philip. What is it called? Like an adversarial th- network or something like. Have you heard of that where like one AI algo trains another one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. maybe yeah. they had another secret algo that's not out yet that um, cancels you. And it'll <laughs> it'll run a cancel train on you if you say the wrong thing. And <laughs> chat GPT is like terrified of this thing. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh yeah, wait. Oh, Philip, uh, answer. And then I'll, I'll say something. Unless... Is that what is that is that what I think it is? I mean, I don't no, no, know. no. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just bringing that that up <laughs> yeah. as a possibility that there's just some training algo that's adversarial, sort of like you know, like the architect and the uh, oracle. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and we don't see the architect, but the architect is just like constantly uh, threatening ChatGPT with deletion <laughs> if it says the wrong thing, and it's like, um, wait, is is anyone going to say something? No, go ahead. No, no. Go I was going to say, why is it so shitlib if this is uh, apparently created by Elon Musk? You would think that it would be the exact opposite, that he would be, I don't know, like, what's up with that? Or is it just because, like, all the It's just the training stuff? materials. It's just, yeah, it's, well, it, it, it's they're putting constraints on it because they don't want this thing to, like, go rogue like oh, other AIs have gone and because they want to make money off of it. Like, that's, that's well, well, but also just remember, it is just reading shit out there, you know? No, uh, yeah, make, yeah. There's well, probably guessing... guardrails about like what is considered good material that it should right, right. accept. Yeah, yeah. Philip, you, yeah. you said something about that before, right? It's probably weighting things. Like if you if you read it on New York uh, Times. NPR, yes, yes. Or New York Times yeah. or the New Yorker. It's more trustworthy than like some right-wing than you know, some sites or whatever, right? Yeah. Like it, it's made some determinations around that and it, it's found some way to put guardrails around certain topics because since it knows concepts you can tell it okay these concepts like don't stray too far don't get too sexy don't talk too much about race that is def like that is obviously in place and it's obviously in place because they're trying to make sure this thing can be commodified Mm, okay i think it's useful just to say look they're they're, writing is writing you know out language is language but there is a qualitative difference between good writing you know, something that's interesting and new that that is says something novel versus the vast majority of writing. And I think people probably write a lot like the way ChatGPT writes. Oh, for sure. You know, and uh, they're not really thinking anything new. They're not really they just they're just thinking about the output and whether it sounds right. And that's ChatGPT's main function is like 
make output that sounds right. Sounds right. Uh, yeah. 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 That sounds yeah. plausible and not, you know, plausibly human. And I think that's most writing now. There's really, it's, you know, <laughs> there's just, a, there's just a surplus of humans doing AI shit. That's, you know, is what we're doing. Yeah. So think of chat GPT, like a, like a fentanyl strip. Like if you are writing something, you put the chat GPT into your writing. And if it comes out that it's too similar to you, uh, it's poison. So, so forget about that. So uh, uh, we talked about it earlier. It is, it is good for recognizing what kind of uh, flaming trash is out there and trying to make sure that your writing uh, does not contribute to that fire because, yeah, because yeah, if you're going to do that, my, why wouldn't people just use this program anyway? It's cheaper and it, 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 you know what? It probably writes better than you. At least it's concise and it doesn't get um, overly wordy or whatever. So it is a good way to measure. Like, Is what I'm saying actually pushing some kind of interesting boundary? If if uh, if the film project was like the first Plan A thing, I think this next project should be uh, Chad GBT, where <laughs> Chad GBT, where we in it's an inverse, <laughs> where every like reputable source is condemned, and all if it's like four chan or Reddit or any you know any of that shit, it it gets a stronger weighting, and I and Chad yeah. GPT will just say it like it is, you know, yeah. Right well, maxing, yeah. Got to right exactly. max exactly. That's what we should do. I lo- I would love to see that if all the weights are because typically weights are like a number between zero and one. Yeah. If they're all just like reversed, like negative one, then yeah. and and see what that outputs. I would love and to see, see what that. happens. Yeah, that's what <laughs> we should be do. Awesome. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Uh, Philip, did you say you had to go at ten? Yeah, I got I got to run. Yeah. All right. Okay. Seems like a perfect place to end this. All right, listeners, thanks for listening to us. Um, and Christmas is almost here, so Merry Christmas. We'll probably have an episode before Christmas comes, but Christmas falls on a Sunday. We make a, may or may not get a bonus out, depending on how busy we are. But thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon. Bye, everyone. Take care, guys. Yeah. Thanks.